Wake up, wake up, wake up, 502. It is going down on a beautiful, beautiful Saturday morning here in the village. This is your boy Rashawn Myers taking care of you this morning. This is Wake Up 502 on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, the Big X. And you know what? We are almost can y'all feel it? Can can you all feel it? It is July 22nd, 2023. And I can literally feel the football in the air. Like, we're starting to get, you know, we have all our Madden ratings out. You know, we have all that information. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the, the, the camps about, you know, getting ready to open. You got your football players out there sending tweets. Uh, the NFL guys uh, talking about, uh, you know, the, the, their ratings and what they're going to do this year. The, Lamar Jackson's already said that he's going <laughs> to turn his up to uh, 99. They only have him listed or rated as a 91 on Madden. He said, that's all right, I'm going to turn it up to a 99 as soon as I get the game, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, but, you know, it, it is almost here, man. We have, what, a little bit more than a week left. And then, you know, we're into August. And once we're into August, uh, you know, it's on. It's on. So I, I'm so, so excited to be here with you, with you this morning as we get ready. We have ACC Media Days coming up uh, this coming Tuesday. Uh, we'll get to hear uh, from the, for the coaches and the commissioner, uh, Jim Phillips of the ACC. So, you know, very, very excited to uh, get back out there. We'll have, of course, the preseason um, uh, uh, predictions where where teams are going to finish. We'll get to see where Jeff Brom and his first edition of the University of Louisville Cardinals will, will land in that preseason poll. Uh, we'll, of course, also get superlatives, uh, preseason uh, coach of the year, player of the year, and, uh, the, you know, the, the preseason all-ACC all teams, things of that nature. Um, so cannot wait. Uh, for Louisville to get out there. Um, I'll be interested to see uh, who makes the trip down to media days with Jeff Brom. I am guessing that likely it will probably be 
um, a combination of probably two offensive players and one defensive player. I, I'd, I'd wonder who you would want. That that might actually be a good question uh, to pose to the folks out there today. Um, if you guys want to get involved in the show, of course, there's a couple of good ways to get involved. Um, the best way being, of course, the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Uh, you can give us a call or, excuse me, a text in there and give us your thoughts. Uh, make sure you go out to visit any of the 76,842 local Thornton's uh, lo- uh, locations um, to get all your gas, get all your goodies, get all your grub and everything you need for the road. Uh, make sure you go out there and visit the good folks at Thornton's. Uh, but then, of course, you can also give us a call in on the Wake Up 502 buzz line. Uh, that's 502-384-1450 uh, as well, and we can hear from you live. But I would like to know, who, like, who would you send uh, to represent Louisville at Media Days. So, you know, usually at Media Days, they'll, they'll select two or three players um, to come be a part of that, you know, to take the pictures and do all the little promotional stuff as you gear up for the season. Um, so, you know, I, I would wonder. I mean, this year's kind of open um, in terms of who's going to be there with a new coach, a new system, a new emphasis, and um, everything going into it. You know, as I said, my, my guess is, you know – Coach Brown would probably take uh, maybe three guys with him, a couple of offensive guys, um, you know, and then uh, one defensive standout, uh, maybe Ashton Gelati um, defensively. I could definitely see that since he's going to be one of the more um, visible guys that, you know, that are going to be a part of the team this year. Um, You know, Jarvis Brownlee, the cornerback, um, who's a guy who's considered to be one of the better cornerbacks in the conference. Um, You know, of course, on offense, I definitely think Jack Plummer. If I was to put a guess on anybody being there, I think Jack Plummer would probably be my leader in the clubhouse just because um, Jeff Brown has continued to talk about how – uh, impressed he's been with his leadership and how he's pretty much the guy who's the the head of the snake uh, for the offense and helping all getting all the other guys uh, ready and and good to go. So I, I would definitely say the the my my best money would probably be on Jack Plummer and probably my second best. Uh, I'm kind of torn. I don't know. Would it be Jamari Thrash, who's the guy who's getting all the hype, uh, the transfer over from Georgia State? Um, or would it be um, Jawar Jordan, um, who had a very, very strong uh, season last year as a junior, is coming back here, is the no doubt uh, number one running back um, on the roster this year, would he be the guy that would go? So, I mean, I think there's a few different ways you could go. So, I mean, I'm going to be very interested. I'm going to be very interested to see what the other ACC coaches um, think of this team. I know that um, – I've heard some preseason uh, prognosticators placing Louisville somewhere around sixth or seventh um, in the conference, which is interesting, Um, you know, especially considering everything that we've heard about how um, favorable the Louisville schedule is, um, that still sixth or seventh is where they're placed, which I guess would put them around, you know, eight and four, seven and five territory, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think that eight and four will get you in. I mean, I would think that eight and four would maybe get you in that top four, maybe. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it's very interesting. So I, I will be uh, definitely focused in on that. Of course, uh, Louisville basketball. 
Um, it's got <laughs> still always something going on with Louisville basketball, men's and women's. Um, you know, we're we're still on Tyler Johnson watch to see if he's in fact going to make it. Of course, uh, Trilly Donovan, who is one of the most connected Twitter insiders, quote unquote, um, out there right now, has said that he has heard that there is a uh, Louisville player that is going to be a casualty of academics. And considering that Tyler Johnson is the only guy who's here, I would guess that Trilly is speaking about Tyler Johnson. But uh, uh, the, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on just how important or big a situation that is. When Tyler Johnson, who was a former Memphis commit, top 100 player, um, committed to Louisville, um, I definitely – uh, gave the coaching staff credit for going out there, securing another true point guard, and adding some depth uh, to that backcourt, which I felt was much needed. Um, I'd love to hear from you, A, how important is Tyler Johnson? How big of a deal is this for you? Um, I'd like to know that. And then, B, uh, where does Louisville go? Um, if, if, in fact, Johnson can't make it, um, would you feel okay with what you have, we've heard the coaching staff speak so glowingly of guys like Karan Davis and what he, what they feel they can bring. We've started to hear early practice reports that Curtis Williams um, is looking good so far. Um, we've already seen, of course, uh, the, the hype surrounding Trenton Flowers and what he was able to do with Team USA, and now he's uh, been invited out to the Jason Tatum camp where he is at or we, where he has been over the last several days. Um, so... You know, I'd love to know from you exactly how important do you think the Tyler Johnson situation is? Um, will Louisville be fine and, and okay if they're not? I mean, you know, this this does definitely smell like last year in terms of Louisville was once again going into, I guess, late July, uh, early August, still needing or still having uh, scholarships available. Of course, we remember last year, uh, you know, how late – Fabio uh, Basili was finally added to the roster. And, of course, Hersey Miller um, as well, uh, you know, was kind of a, a late add, even though we had heard about him for a while. Um, so I, I, I'd love to know. You know, there are still – they talk about there's still, you know, six or 700 kids, I think. I, I, I don't know the exact number as far as who's in the transfer portal of kids that are still waiting to be picked up by other schools, um, which is crazy to me. Um, but there, there are still a bunch of kids out there. Should Louisville go out there and just see what they can add via the transfer portal? Would you rather like to hang on to it and see if maybe there's a mid-season transfer that Louisville can add like they did with uh, Emmanuel Corfor last year? Would that be something you'd like to see? But, you know, I, I'd love to, 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 to hear your thoughts. Does this change the way you, you perceive Louisville basketball? Does this change uh, their trajectory? Um, and then, of course, on the women's side, congratulations to uh, Jeff Walls and the uh, Louisville women's team. They did get it done over there at the Global Jam. They knocked off Canada uh, in a very, very exciting game. Uh, they knocked off Canada, won the, the gold medal um, for the Global Jam on the women's side, uh, avenging a loss that they had to Canada a couple days prior. Um, that was a very entertaining game. Um, I, I'll, t I'll tell you what, man. I love the preseason tournaments. Like, I feel like summer basketball, I mean, people always talk about um, how summer basketball is a big thing for the NBA, and we've seen what the NBA Summer League has done um, in terms of a television product, in terms of 
a, a showcase for these young stars? Well, you know, I would argue summer basketball is definitely just as important for college basketball. I would love to see college basketball get to a point where they were, um, you know, had their own quote-unquote summer league. Um, I would love to see that. I would love to see, um, you know, some organized events where, you know, you just have teams coming out there and playing, and you can throw that on an ACC network. You can throw that on ESPN programming. Why not have a college summer league where, where we see teams get out there? I mean, uh, you talk about how the, the young players in the NBA need development. I mean, how critical, you know, I know that Louisville has not, uh, under Kenny Payne, at least through the first couple of years, it doesn't seem like the coaching staff has had much um, interest in having the players out there playing against the, the other competition. I know it's still kind of early in the Kenny Payne regime to really, you know, figure out what the definites are in, in terms of what the head coach does and does not like. Um, but Louisville, you know, has not been a part of any international competitions. But I just feel like it is so invaluable. It is so important. Like, I really feel like what Jeff Walls got out of that, being able to have Sidney Taylor uh, be, be the MVP, uh, and, you know, and the most valuable player of the the, uh, the tournament, and to go out there and, and hit those big shots, hit the game-winning three uh, to win it. Um, you know, Olivia Cochran to, to really become that leader, to be the one to, to get the ball and make the plays, which is something that I've been waiting for, for that young lady to get her chance to lead. Um, those types of things, the way we were able, able to see all those guys get out there, Sidney Curry, um, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jada, excuse me, Jada Curry, not Sidney Curry. You got Sidney Taylor, Jada Curry. I got not mix those together. Then you get a big man who ain't on the little, on the men's team no more. <laughs> but you got Jada Curry out there doing what she did. Nina Rickers getting used to her teammates as a point guard. Like I, I just feel like Louisville's going to be so much better the women's team uh, once the season comes around. I think that's going to be very, very important. And I would love to see that for the men, like especially with so many young guys. Um, Kenny Payne trying to, to develop um, consistency. Like I think that because you have the um, because you have the, the TBT team here in town, I know that they said that those guys have been playing, so they definitely have some guys that they can play with and play against that will help them out. But I just think going out there, playing against another team that is out there trying to rip your head off and trying to beat you and throwing elbows, um, it just helps when you get outside competition because it gets you a live fire look at um, competition. And, and that type of uh, team building and chemistry building, you just can't buy. Um, and, and what Louisville was able to get out of that, I fully expect that they're going to be well ahead of where they would be just because they went out there and played that competition. And the same for the University of Kentucky. Like, I, I want to give um, Coach Calipari and those guys all the credit in the world. I am not going to hate on what UK did. I'm not going to try to throw cold water on what they did. UK went out there, you know, considering that Baylor, who was the Global Jam representative for Team USA last year, when Scott Drew took his guys out there, Baylor didn't win a game. They went 0-4, I believe, either 0-3 or 0-4 uh, in the tournament last year. You know, for Kentucky to go out there and not only go undefeated and win the championship, but to go out there and just dominate the way they did with those, that group of freshmen, um, I, Kentucky impressed me a lot, uh, and, and they have a good team. 
Uh, you know, especially considering they did not have you got in onion. So uh, their big guy and of course, uh, and especially Aaron Bradshaw, um, you know, their five star top five big man. They didn't have either one of those guys and they were able to go out there and find a way um, to not only win, but they found a way to dominate. And, you know, Reed Shepard really showed me a lot. Um, DJ Wagner, of course, showed me a lot. Still waiting to see what Robert Dillingham has. He he struggled a little bit, but once again, this is a good thing because now Robert Dillingham, you know, a lot of times these, you know, especially with the high-level freshmen, they come in thinking that they are just the greatest thing since sliced bread, and they usually don't get that cold dose of reality of how hard it is until, you know, November, December, when, you know, bullets are live and uh, you get into the thick of the season. But when you can go out there and you have some struggles and you're not necessarily playing your best and it's still August, uh, you know, July, truthfully, that is a huge, huge leg up because now you understand how much harder you have to work. Now you, you know, you go back into the gym and you go back into onto the practice court with a lot more um, motivation, uh, and I think that, that Robert Dillingham is a guy who is going to get a lot out of it. And I think that's um, the same for everything, both for the men and for the women, is that now you've seen what you can and can't do. Now you see what you need to work on. Coaches have more film on what they what they need to do chemistry-wise, any tweaks or adjustments they can make. Um, and, and I thought that just what the way Calipari handled it, um, you know, Justin Edwards, what he was able to do, like Kentucky's impressive. Um, you know, th- those freshmen there, if they can get their big guys back, they're going to be nice because, um, you know, that they, they have uh, a- Antonio Reeves, um, who's going to be the no doubt leader of the team. Um, excellent shooter, knockdown shooter, guy who was averaging over 25, 26 points per game, something like that over there. He was outstanding. Uh, Trey Mitchell. Uh, you know, they need to go ahead and just send Bob Huggins like a gift basket <laughs> for being an idiot um, because. Getting Trey Mitchell as a late transfer uh, from West Virginia has been found money. And if he can come out and continue to shoot the ball as well as he did, um, that just gives a new dimension. I mean, one of the biggest things about Kentucky uh, over the last several years when they had Oscar Sheepway is they had this monster that could give you just tremendous, tremendous double-doubles, game in and game out. But the guard play had been so spotty and so inconsistent UK would have just a well of a time consistently scoring, but this UK team, with the way they share the ball, with how they shoot the ball, with Edwards uh, and Mitchell, um, you know, and of course Reeves, uh, all those guys were just knocking it down, playing at such an efficient level, man. Like it's, uh, it was just good. I, I, I love the international competition. I love the NBA Summer League. I watched all of it. As much basketball as I could get, I consumed. Um, so, just um, I, I would hope that in the future um, that the men's program uh, at UofL would, would start to get involved in that because I, I just think that that um, competition is just huge for development. I mean, it's huge at the high school level. Uh, my son has his final AAU tournament coming up this weekend. Um, this summer basketball program has been huge for his development as well. Um, and, and I just think that you, the more basketball you can play against good competition – the better you get, you know. And when you get out there and you're playing against guys that aren't your teammates and guys that aren't going to take it easy on you and guys that you don't know how they play and what they're going to do, that helps you improve your game. 
Um, and I, I just think that, that that is something that I want to continue to see grow um, at the collegiate level because I, I think summer basketball is a tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, advantage for those who take advantage of it, getting out there and playing outside competition. Um, so, you know, once again, congratulations to the Jeff Walsh and U of L women. Congratulations to UK uh, and what they were able to do. You got it done. You brought home the gold for the U.S. Um, and, you know, you did it in impressive fashion. Now, I do have to give a shout-out because let me tell you something. Emmanuel Corfor playing for BAL Select, the, the, the African team, um, Emmanuel did his thing. Um, he, he was a guy who I was very interested in seeing what he was going to do. Um, he was a DMP. He did not play in the initial game. I, I don't know if it was because of him getting there late or because uh, I know they said that they didn't join the, the team until uh, the week of, you know, of prep getting ready for the tournament. He and Junior uh, Joseph, um, who, uh, of course, played for Rick Pitino last year at Iona. Both those guys kind of got in late, apparently. So, you know, the Okorfor was a, str- a scratch in the first game, as was Joseph. And then he only played about you know, 12, 17 minutes, uh, scoring four points and three round rebounds in his first game uh, versus Germany. But let me tell you something. When Okorfor got out there against Kentucky, he absolutely balled his tail off. 16 points, eight rebounds, um, six for six from the field, had a couple of blocks, gave tremendous effort um, getting up and down the court, um, was a, was a uh, presence at the rim. Emmanuel Corfor, man, I have to give him credit for that. Uh, if, if Emmanuel can give you that, if he can give you that energy and that composed play on the court. My, one of the toughest things I felt for him, especially because he was coming over as a mid-year transfer, he didn't have any summer workup. He didn't have any practice with the team. He just kind of had to jump in immediately. Um, he looked extremely uncomfortable out there last year, setting screens, um, you know, knowing what to do and where to go. He was just kind of out there. He was playing hard, but he looked completely lost, uh, which was a tough spot to put him in. And, of course, they ended up um, playing him a few games, and then he was out for the rest of the year last year. I think he only played seven, six or seven games for the Cardinals last year. But I can see how much better he is and just how much more composed of a basketball player he is. He still is a little iffy on those screens. He still likes to move a little bit and kind of run into the guys as he's setting the screens, which, um, it, you know, during the regular season, if you don't stay still on those screens, that's going to be an offensive foul. But his development and how much better and how much more confident and aggressive he is, he looks a lot better. Um, like, I don't, I don't know what that's going to translate to once you get back with um, Louisville, and, and you get back there and see how you mix in with the rest of the guys. But I do think that Emmanuel Corfor is going to help Louisville this year um, because of his uh, energy. He looks like he maybe maybe may has may have grown a little bit as well. Um, you know, of course, he was six eight when he got here, six seven, six eight when he got here. He looks a little bit closer to six ten now. I, I like I can't verify that but he just looked bigger he looked bigger than all of the UK guys and I know UK didn't have either one of their big seven footers um, out there but Manny still looked like Trey Mitchell is considered to be around 6'9 6'10 and he looked bigger than Trey Mitchell I don't know if that was just my eyes deceiving me or if Trey Mitchell's not as tall as what they say he is um, but Emmanuel looked big um, you, you know, you can definitely tell you've been in the weight room. And, and I tell you what, man, if Louisville can have that, like I know that people want to see Brandon Huntley Hatfield 
get out there and live up to that five-star rating. But just seeing what I saw Manny give out there, again, you know, for BAL Select, that power forward spot, that four-man spot, if Dennis Evans can come in and be a guy who can at least be that big-time presence, I, you know, once again, I say for this Louisville team to be successful, men's basketball team, they're going to have to hang their hat on the defensive end of the floor. Okay, they're going to have to be able to stop teams because I don't necessarily know how great they'll be offensively, but defensively, Louisville has to be a lot better than what they were. Their defense was atrocious last year. And a guy like Okorafor who moves his feet so well and has a decent amount of speed for his size uh, and his shot-blocking ability, I I just envision if Louisville can go out there and have a two-headed monster in the post of Dennis Evans at the five and Emmanuel Okorafor at the four, that's a very nice place to start. Like, I, I don't know what these guys are going to be. You know, we can talk about the lack of guards, you know, especially with Tyler Johnson maybe not being a part of it. And we can talk about maybe not being able to go out there and be as efficient offensively because you just have a lot more youth. But I I really like the um, idea, at least, of what Emmanuel could bring as a four-man with Dennis Evans as a five-man in terms of just low post defense and, and rebounding. You know, I, I know that, you know, Dennis is a little slight. Um, he do, He's not as strong. You know, he, he doesn't have that big, big lower base, but it's 7'2", you know, with, the, with that monstrous wingspan. I believe he's like 7'10", wingspan, 7'11", something like this, something ridiculous. But, you know, with that wingspan and with Emmanuel's just effort and, and athleticism and aggressiveness, those two guys could be a very nice low-post combo to kind of shut down the paint, uh, at least in theory. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, I don't know how these guys are going to be put together. But if I'm Kenny Payne and the rest of the staff over there, I've got to take a long, hard look at that. Um, because the thing about Brandon Huntley Hatfield, while, while he is definitely the more skilled player, he's definitely the better shooter. He's definitely got the better offensive touch. Um, you know, the young man has had issues with his motor and, and, and you know, questions about his motor and his willingness, um, you know, to go out there and give full out effort. You don't have to have that question with Emmanuel Corfor. Like that kid, you know, especially when you come over and you bring kids over from overseas, um, you know, you can tell Emmanuel just wants to he wants to find success and he's willing to do literally anything and everything he can do it like literally the whole time he was playing for team africa when that dude was out on the court he was going a million miles an hour did he do everything right and did everything look artistically beautiful no but a guy who's going to give you that much effort and then shows touch around the rim um is helpful now i will say uh in their bronze medal game uh when they lost to i believe it was uh uh puerto rico uh, maybe I can't remember who they played in the in their final game, but w- when they played their final game, Emmanuel was only four of thirteen from the field. He scored ten points, did have fourteen rebounds, which is very nice. Um, but he was only four of thirteen from the field, and he had come into that final game shooting a very high percentage from the field. He was like sixty or seventy percent um, in terms of his finishes from the field. But in that last game, he was like four of thirteen. But I, they did not televise that last game, so I'm not really sure what happened in that game. 
So I, I don't know if he was just maybe just tipping it up a bunch like, you know, uh, Moses Malone style and just kept missing tip-ins or something. Uh, but his his shooting percentage took a big dip in that last game. But still the 14 rebounds, um, still got the block shots, the steals, um, just did a lot of good things on the court. So I, I, I you know, I'm not trying to bury uh, Brandon before the season even, even gets started, but I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Having seen what I've seen out of Brandon Huntley Hatfield through the first couple of years, and what I saw out of Emmanuel Corfor um, at over there at, the, um, at you know in Canada at the Global Jam, I might be leaning towards a Corfor just because of that energy, and maybe that motivates uh, Brandon to get himself together and start to bring more energy and effort consistently, uh, because he was definitely a guy who would seem to start like. Uh, a house of fire and then fizzle out very quickly and then you just pretty much didn't hear from him the rest of the game so you know I I, I don't know we'll see uh, there's so much that's that's still out there and left to be um, held we, you know there's a long way until the season gets started so we'll have to see what this means if it means anything uh, it's going to be put up or shut up time soon and of course that gets started with football season uh, you know ACC media days right around the corner so I tell you what we're going to go ahead we're going to get this first break in if you want to get involved of course shoot me your text 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line of course you can give me a call as well 502-384-1450 as well this is Rashawn Myers this is the Big X and we'll be right back Welcome back in. Welcome back in. Second segment of the show. Wake up 502 Rashawn Myers, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. The Big X, it is going down. And a big shout out to everybody uh, out there on the text lines. Appreciate you guys. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Uh, We already got text coming in, people helping me out. Uh, So we got my buddy Red Zeppelin, man. Red has been a supporter and and a listener of the show and a big-time contributor on social media, uh, you know, over the years. And Red is out there listening this morning. Uh, He says that, uh, Brian Hudson, Jawar Jordan, and Ashton Gelati actually will be the representatives joining uh, Coach Jeff Brom uh, at ACC Media Day. So it was, it's funny. Um, I was two for three, but the guy that I thought was the no-doubt person that was going to be there actually is not going to be there. So Jack Plummer is not going to be a part of ACC Media Day. I thought that that dude would have been, uh, you know, the most reasonable um, guy to go out there, but I can definitely understand Brian Hudson. Um, you know, he's a 
Um, I don't know how long he's been in school, five years, six years. Uh, you know, he's been around for a while. He's considered to be one of the best centers um, and just truthfully one of the best offensive linemen in the country. He was a first-team all-ACC selection uh, by several preseason publications. Um, so Brian Hudson definitely is a guy who's been around the block. Of course, he was at Virginia Tech before transferring over to the University of Louisville with two years remaining, uh, and he was a stalwart on the line last year playing both center as well as guard. Uh, he was invaluable uh, to the efforts of Scott Satterfield and the Cardinals last year. Um, so definitely a, a very good selection. And then joining him, of course, would be the standout running back who we talked about, Jawar Jordan, as well as Ashton Gelati, who I think is uh, kind of the next man up to kind of take the mantle of um, – you know, uh, the, 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 your Yasir Abdullahs and Yaya Diabis as the, off, uh, as the defensive stalwart. Um, so I, I think that all three of those guys are very, very good selections, definitely very understandable selections that Jeff Brom would want to take those guys. But I am surprised that, that Jack Plummer is not going to be a part of that. Like the quarterback has always and is always kind of the most important spot and most important position for a Jeff Brom-led offense. Um, so I just thought naturally – that the quarterback would be a part of it. But, hey, you know, go ahead and let, let Big Hood get out there. You know, Brian will be a big-time um, ambassador for UofL. So it will be very interesting to see what those guys. So appreciate you listening, Red, and thank you um, for uh, your input on that. Um, you know, but uh, uh, so many things happening this morning, so many things to get into. Uh, would love to continue to, to hear uh, your thoughts. So definitely get those texts in as well. Uh, but I, I tell you what, man, just thinking about uh, this University of Louisville football team and uh, where they stand going into this year. Of course, uh, we've heard uh, my, my boys over there at, at LSL had a had a nice interview um, with a, a guy talking preseason publications. Um, and there's a lot of talk around a lot of these teams, uh, teams like Duke, uh, teams like uh, Pitt, who, of course, is dealing with uh, replacing some big-time players, teams like NC State, who's also dealing with uh, replacing quarterbacks. Uh, Brandon Armstrong, of course, coming over from Virginia after losing uh, th their quarterback uh, over to U.K., um, the Devin Leary. I I am cautiously optimistic. Like I, I'm I'm kind of interested because it's been very funny to listen to folks. Like I've heard people talk about how favorable Louisville's schedule is and how um, they should have a chance to, you know, if if not, of course, run the tables. Ridiculous, but uh, it, you know, if they have a chance to have like a special season, a ten win season. On one hand, they say, oh, well, you know, the, the, their schedule's not that great. They should be able to have a, be put in a position to do that. But then when it comes to putting your, your prognostication out there and putting your preseason, um, you know, kind of actual guess of what the record's going to look like at the end of the year, I still see most people settling on that 8-4 and four, uh, mark. Um, I am... I am somebody who I feel eight and four is the floor for this team. Um, one of the things I love about what Jeff Brown has done is that he's not going to allow, you know, as we talked about with how important the quarterback position is to him, um, he stacked that, that, that quarterback room. He's not going to allow, you know, the possibility that maybe 
Jack Plummer goes down with an injury. He's going to make sure he has plenty of talent um, with that group to make sure that he has the best opportunity uh, to win as many games as possible. And he's going to go out there and do what he needs to do. And he went out there and stacked that. When you bring in Brady Allen, uh, you know, when, when you bring in uh, those types of players, they, I forget the other young man, another five-star kid that, that came in that uh, is walking on. But, of course, you still have uh, Pierce Clarkson there. You still have Brock Doman there. You still have – uh, Evan Conley there. All those other guys are still there in the room. And now you have uh, Jack Plummer, of course, that you brought in as the starter. You have a lot of pieces to work with. So, you know, Jeff has definitely hedged his bets to make sure that he has enough talent to where if there is an injury, if somebody goes down, that there are talented guys in there to step up in their place, uh, kind of like we saw with Stefan LaFours and, and Brian Brom and then Brian Brom and Hunter Cantwell, right, is where we always saw that there was somebody else that right there behind the starter just in case there was any issue. Uh, that's one of the things that I've really liked about what he's done coming in the door. And that's why, you know, I, I really and truly believe 8-4, and four, I just, I see that as, I can't see Louisville going 7-5. Like, is there anybody out there, like, if, if I'm crazy, um, you know, let me know, text me, call me. Uh, but I just, I don't, like, that would be a huge disappointment, right? Like, I'm not trying to set Louisville up for failure. Like, I'm, I'm not one of those folks that tries to, to, like, greatly overblow expectations just to set a team up to say, then I can say, ah, look at them, they, you know, they fail. That's not the way I am. Like, I'm just being honest, like, <laughs> with the schedule that they have, I just can't see Louisville going 7-5. I can't. Like, I, I, I know it can happen. And the people always say, you know, well, injuries happen. But, you know, if Jawar Jordan goes down, you know, you still got a bevy of running backs there. If if Jack Plummer goes down, you still have a bevy of quarterbacks there. If uh, Jamari Thrash gets hurt, you still got Kevin Coleman and uh, uh, Amari Huggins-Bruce and Chris Bell and, uh, you know, all these guys. The only spots where, you know, we've heard the question marks, uh, you know, tight end because there's not a lot of experience there and linebacker because there's a lot of youth there. But – with the way Jeff coaches the team, uh, when Coach Brom, you know, with his emphasis put on the passing of the ball and feeding the studs and getting uh, players into space and scheming guys into good positions to be able to make plays, I feel like Louisville has so much talent uh, that Coach Brom is still going to be calling the plays. He's still going to be able to scheme guys open. He's still going to do what he does in terms of being a, a outstanding play car caller that I just I don't see I, I, I know it's terrible and it's, it, it feels like one of those things where I, <laughs> I don't want to jinx the team but at the same time I just don't see how I don't see how they can fail I, I'm just being honest like I, I one thing that I've always tried to be with y'all is like I've tried to be my authentic self when I come here and get on the um, the microphone the same stuff that I say here is the same thing that I say, uh, you know, to Haven when I'm talking to him. It's the same thing I say to uh, people when I'm out at a sports bar, out at an event talking. Like, literally, who I am on this microphone is who I am in everyday life. And I try to be honest with y'all. And I just, I can't see how Louisville loses five games with this roster and with the coach that they have and, and with what I expect they can bring. And then, truthfully, with the... um. 
you know, the softness of the schedule. I won't say that it's easy. I won't say that it's cupcakes, but it is very, very favorable. It's a very, very favorable schedule. Um, you know, that was one of the things that was my concern, honestly, uh, with Coach Satterfield still being here. It's like I felt if Satterfield did not leave after last year. Now, of course, when I said if Satterfield was going to leave last year, it was going to be because he just sucked and it was terrible and it was Louisville's third losing season in a row and he gets fired. Um, you know, I didn't even necessarily think that he was going to be good enough to go out there and get another job. Like, that That, that really didn't uh, – occurred to me that that could happen so thank you Cincinnati for that but you know I felt like if Louisville didn't get rid of Satterfield last year that they were going to be stuck with him for a good little while longer just for the simple fact that this year's schedule was going to be so favorable and kind of set up so pretty that you know even a coach that's you know <laughs> very much averse to aggressiveness and very much averse to going out there and taking risks it was so manageable that I felt that Sat would easily be able to get to eight wins this year um, that that's been my assertion throughout is that this is just a very, very well set up schedule. And it's been this way coming. I've been seeing this schedule coming for the last couple of years, but it was because of course they, um, they, they put the schedules out there so far in advance that you get an opportunity to see them. And I knew this was going to be a year where Satterfield would be able to bounce back and be able to, to point his, uh, finger at success and you know the turnaround so I knew this was going to be a good year now the ad, the fact that we add Jeff Brom and we add what he brings as a coach and Louisville goes out there and has an amazing transfer class and brings in all this talent uh, to surround the guys that are already here even with the losses of Diaby even with the losses of Abdullah even with the loss of Malik Cunningham you know this team is set up for a tremendous amount of success this year and, you know, with Jeff Brown, I just can't – I can't see this team losing five games with this talent versus this schedule. So I, I just um, – call me call me a jinx. If it does happen, look, hey, if it happens and, – and I will take this on my back, people, right now. If it happens and I jinx Louisville and they end up losing five or six games, then y'all can say Rashawn was on Wake Up 502. That damn Rashawn got on those airways and jinx Louisville football. And they done lost all these close games, and everybody's hurt, and Jeff Brom's first year is turned into a complete disaster. Y'all can blame me. Like, I'm okay with that. Y'all can put that on me. I will take that on my back, and y'all can call in here. Just don't curse on the radio because I don't want to get thrown off. You know, Dugan frowns on that. So don't call in and curse at me. But you can text in and curse at me, and I'll just bleep out the curse word. So, you know, just blame me, and I will take that. But I don't. I just don't see how this team can fail this year with this setup. And, and I know that's ridiculous, but, I, I mean, I think eight and four is the four. Uh, you know, I think that 10 and 2 is, I don't want to necessarily say 10 and 2 is the ceiling because, of course, obviously the ceiling can be 12 and 0. You know, we've seen teams go undefeated and we've seen teams just have magical seasons. Look at TCU last year. So it can definitely happen. The ceiling is, uh, you know, it's definitely 12 and 0, but the realistic ceiling, I would say, is probably closer to 10 and 2, uh, which is odd to say that a floor. And a ceiling. There's only two wins difference between the floor and the ceiling. But I think that's where this team is. Like, could they be eleven and one? Yeah. Could they be twelve and zero? Yeah. But more than likely, I think eight and four, nine and three, or ten and two. That's the three records. It's going to be one of those three. And in any case, that is a very successful first year for Jeff Brom and company. 
You know, that, that, that's an amazing first season. So, you know, I, I, I am there. That's where I'm at. I'd love to know where you were, you were at. Um, do you like uh, that trio of Hudson, Gelati, uh, and uh, Jawar Jordan being the, the representatives for Louisville football? Who would you have liked to see there? Um, I would love to hear from that. Uh, but I tell you what, we're going to go right back to the uh, Thornton's text lines, 502-414-1450. Uh, texter says, good morning, Wake Up 502. Main event. Uh, our, court, uh, our culture. He says, well, I don't have much to say, but I'm op- optimistic about the football season. If Louisville goes to the Rose Bowl, I'm definitely going to California. Lastly, uh, did Haley find Carly Russell? <laughs> He's funny. Uh, first of all, thanks for the text this morning. Um, Rose Bowl in Louisville, that would, be, that would be amazing. If Louisville was able to get out to the Rose Bowl, I don't know if I would be going just because um, – I, I, L.A. has been a, a city that literally I've never had any interest. The only only time I ever had interest in going to L.A. Uh, was, you know, to possibly see Kobe and Shaq play or see Kobe play when he was still a part of the Lakers. Um, but outside of that, L.A. has never been a city I've really been excited to go see because I've just heard so much so much about the traffic and so much about um, – you know the the all the issues it takes two hours to get everywhere all the horror stories you hear about la traffic has just really really just made me really never want to go there like i much would much rather go to san diego somewhere but if Louisville made it to the rose bowl that would probably be the only thing that that could even possibly tempt me into making a, a move out to the west coast that would be awesome uh to see them out there um, so let's hope that that's even a, a consideration because if Louisville has an opportunity to go to a Rose Bowl, that means that they are in that group of that top six and they're having a possibility of being in the playoff. So at that point, I, I'll take anything. <laughs> I will take anything, and I would even actually consider going out there to L.A. dealing with the smog and the traffic to make that happen. Um, so let, let's let's hope that. And, and your question on Haven, I don't know. Haven's supposed to be calling in this morning, so we'll we'll ask him uh, when he gets there and if he found Carly Russell. We'll we'll we'll, we'll ask him that himself but definitely uh, appreciate the text in of course if you want to be next involved 502-414-1450 and again remember the questions of the day besides um, the guys that you would want to see representing Louisville at media days for Louisville football um, I do want to also know from you uh, you know about the, uh, the, the the summer basketball um, you know the, with what's going on with Tyler Johnson if Tyler Johnson is not a part of this team how big of an impact is that? Um, how big is that? Does Louisville need to go out there and replace that? Um, has what you've heard and what you've seen and kind of some of the hype and some of the conversation about the players that Louisville has, are you okay with that, with going into the season with pretty much just Sky Clark as your primary ball handler? And, uh, you know, are you confident with Trey White and Trenton Flowers? Uh, and, you know, Karan Davis, who the coaching staff has been very high on. Are you comfortable with what Louisville has, or does Louisville need to go out there and make a move? I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, in regards to that. So definitely um, text in, call in, and let me know. But I tell you what, man, it's already, we're already in 
to the end of the hour. So we're going to go ahead, take our break, uh, take our top of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to get in. Uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens have made some additional moves. Uh, you know, we have a, a new NBA Summer League champion. I have thoughts on some of the things that came out of the NBA Summer League. Uh, we have that and much, much more. You are listening to Wake Up 502. This is Rashawn Myers. This is the Big X, and we'll be right back. Welcome back in, welcome back in, a little reminisce over your Pete Rock CL Smooth. It's going down on a Saturday morning here. Wake up 502, Rashawn Myers, 96.1 FM is going down. And uh, very, very happy to be joined by my my man, my road dog, my sidekick, Mr. Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly, how you doing this morning, brother? Uh, I got no complaints, my man. How about yourself? Man, man, every day is a blessing, man. You know, get out here and talk to the people on the airwaves. So it's a good thing, man. It's a good thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm very, very, very excited. You know what I'm saying? But, I, of course, I, I know you are uh, over there get, getting things ready. A burger week coming up, right, All around your way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a busy week over here. Uh, the weekend will be putting a bow tie, you know, a nice little bow around it. But uh, come on out. Visit your folks at the Granville. Me and Cat will be holding it down. I think Bailey's coming in later. Uh, we got our featured burger, burger of the week for $7. You can get a bourbon Gouda burger. Mm. Boy, that, you, you were telling me that. that <laughs> and there's arugula. And for those of you all don't know what arugula is, it's okay. It's fancy people lettuce. Fancy people lettuce. I like that. Yes. I, you know what? I, I don't even know if I knew what arugula was. I always hear it, but I was like, well, I figured it must be something... Yeah, I knew it was something fancy, but I, yes, I wasn't sure what that was. Okay, so it's lettuce. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's, Joe it's frilly lettuce. Fr yes, <laughs> frilly lettuce. That's hilarious. Uh, well, yes, I, that that uh, bourbon gouda uh, burger just sounds amazing to me. So yeah, I think I might have to slide by the Granville man, pick one of those up, and and, and see my boy. I, I ain't seen my boy Joe. Joe Kelly is like the the most. You know, he, he's like the MVP of, of the Granville. The man just went over there and is just holding it down. So I don't ever get to see Joe Kelly no more, y'all. We used to hang out. I go over Joe's crib. You know, we 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 be grilling out and cooking and talking. Now Joe ain't got no time for. We know, boy. He's like the big man on campus over there. <laughs> man, Thursday through Sunday, if you need to find me, 
I'm, I'm not too hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> yes, now nah, you over there hustling. It's all, always great food and good times. You know, lo- love doing the live shows over there when we've been over there at the Granville. It's a great spot uh, to watch the games. And that's going to be coming up soon, Joe. We're going to have, you know, football on, on the air and everything else is going to be back to it, ain't it? Man, I am, I can't wait. <laughs> this is the most hyped I've been about football season in a long time. And, I mean, I'm normally – if I'm normally at an eight about it, I'm at a, I'm at a 12. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, And I don't know if you've gotten to hear any of the show this morning, Joe, but I, I feel like I may have – like I've told the people that I, if I put a whammy on Louisville football – then they can go ahead and call me and blame me for it because I said at the end of last segment um, that, you know, looking at this Louisville team, like we've been talking about the fact that, you know, as I said, if if we were going to get rid of Satterfield, when Satterfield was still the coach, I said we had to do it last year because last year was a, you know, semi-difficult schedule. So if Satterfield would have been, you know, losing again, and it would have been the third straight losing season, then Louisville would have a a good enough excuse to be able to go ahead and move on from him and look for their next coach. Of course, Satterfield ended up turning it around, having a a pretty decent season, and thankfully Cincinnati, um, you know, went ahead and picked him up. But the reason I said that is because we knew that this year's schedule was going to be very favorable. The way that the game set up, it was going to be like an, uh, an idiot couldn't even mess up getting seven or eight wins with this schedule that, that Louisville has. So what I basically said during the last break was I said with Jeff Brom coming in, with the talent that Louisville has on this team, I just can't see Louisville losing five games. Like I feel like eight and four is like a no doubt. And I know that's crazy because there's only been, you know, so many eight, nine, or ten win seasons in Louisville's history that I know I feel crazy saying that about a team playing in the ACC. But, Joe, I can't see this Louisville team losing five games with this schedule. Like am I crazy? I, I mean, I don't want to burn myself again and sound like a homer. Because not every preseason, but a lot of preseasons, I've been victim of this. I will always own up to the fact that when uh, Lamar left, I said, you know, we might get to see Bobby open up his old offense. It might be more of the, the traditional Bobby, Bobby ball that we're used to seeing. Yes. I'm not making that kind of mistake ever again. But just the, the schedule that we have, looking around the ACC this year, this is a this is a schedule that I just look at and think, man, he really flipped that roster around at some very key positions. He replaced some guys that we were really concerned about. How's he going to replace that? You know that that part of the defense. I keep circling back to eight and a half. Yeah, yeah, eight and a half is that number, man. Take it or leave it. Are you saying we get eight or we get nine? Yeah, I mean, I, like, like to me, I, I like I said, like to me, it's either eight and four, nine and three. Or ten and two, like I, I just feel like there's about a ninety-five percent chance, maybe even higher than that, that that's going to be Louisville's records. Either going to be eight and four, nine and three, or ten and two. Yeah, I keep going back to nine and three because ten and two, uh, you won't. I'll be insufferable <laughs> if, if we flip it that quick. I will be absolutely insufferable talking about. Well, I thought it was going to take a couple years for him to crash the playoff. I think he's going to do it next year. Like it, it, it would just be it would be honorary levels of of cockiness for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I agree with you. I mean, and that's why I said I like I feel like I'm going. I don't want to say like I feel like I'm going overboard, but it just seems really cavalier for me to kind of put that type of 
you know, to, to put that energy out there. Like, I, I'm looking at Louisville's seasons since 2003, okay? I'm looking at uh, football reference, uh, sports references of the college football section. Louisville has only had one, two, three, four seasons in, in, you know, in the last 20 years where they've had double-figure regular season wins. And none of those came in a, you know, a Power Five conference, of course, which Louisville has been in over the last nine years. So, you know, you're talking about four years since 2003. And, I, you know, that, that was what? One in the Conference USA, uh, two in the Big East, and one in the American, which is not a, you know, wasn't a great league. So Louisville's never had ten regular season wins, in a, you know, since they've joined the Power Five. So for me to say that that could be a possibility for Jeff Brom's uh, first year, it just see it doesn't seem fair, <laughs> and it seems like I'm going crazy. But like I look at the schedule, and, and I'm just like, but they can do it though. Like literally, there's a chance they could do it. Like you know, we, we talked about the fact that that they, you know, th- that one publication said that Louisville's going to be favored in every game this year. Like it's a it's a possibility, right? Right, and that's that's the big thing that I that made me say, okay, cool. I'm not being a homer. Yeah. Uh, just off that stat line alone, whether or not they do it, that remains to be seen. But until until Jeff until Jeff has some Bobby moments, you know, and and that was the thing. That's why I say I'm so excited about this season. It's not like in years past because in years past when uh, we had Bobby 1.0, I don't know. In the back of my head, I always knew he'd find a way to to just screw up one game. Right. There'd be one game where we would just lay an egg and look flat and uninterested and you know all, all that that nonsense also you had the feeling in the back of your head we're in the big east they're going to keep us out like they're never going to really let us into the party absolutely then we 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 felt the highs with charlie and, and teddy but it was the same problem we were in a we were in a in a rat hole conference didn't matter what we did we weren't crashing anything could have gone undefeated would have been ucf you know yeah um and then even with the Lamar years, it was like, dude, how's Bobby managing to lose three games with this guy? I mean, ridiculous. You, you know, it, 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 the Lamar era, Bobby 2.0 will be summed up to me of like, you just had to sit back and enjoy Lamar. But you knew Lamar would put on a show, didn't know if the rest of the team was going to show up, didn't know if the, if the game plan was going to be executed well. It just, Lamar overcame Bobby 2.0 as we learned in, in the final season. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, and, so, and, and I mean that—that's why it's just there's so, there's Louisville football has always been that, you know, when you did have an opportunity, you know, when you feel like you have everything on your on your side to have a great season, then here comes, uh, you know, a UCF to screw it up, or here comes uh, the Rutgers chopping wood. <laughs> yeah. You know, here comes it's, it, Louisville football has always been that. You know, almost, you know, what could have been. And that's what they've always been. So, you know, I mean, Jeff Brom, you know, with his experience, Joe, coming in, you know, the fact that he's had some big times, big time wins over some big time programs like Ohio State, like Michigan, you know, it just opens up that possibility where it feels like it's different this time around, to, at least to me. Like, are you on that same page? Yeah, we were. I was actually talking about that specifically yesterday with a buddy that. You know, he always gets it up for those big big games. Rivalry games, he's going to show up. Top 10 matchup, he's going to show up with his A game. Where I'm kind of reserved and, and 
you know, a little gun shy to, uh, to just anoint him and say, it's, this is going to be a guaranteed thing. I don't know if I'm being too much of a, of a local homer for him. I don't know if I'm sticking my neck out too far. But I feel like even the head-scratching losses he had or, or those games where you say Purdue was in it till the last minute, they should have won. Yeah. When you compare the talent to the teams they lost against, you go, yeah, but they shouldn't have been in the game to begin with. And don't confuse the fact that they play so well in these big matchups with the fact that they're capable of doing that every week. I mean, a lot of that is just getting guys up for the moment. Right. You can't be sustained over 12 games. Right. So I, I don't know. Like, when he has more talent and better talent, which I think he has here, I mean, according to the to the recruiting systems, he does. I don't know that we'll have those moments. And that's, that's when you say, yeah, the other team was in it, but Louisville was never out of control. Absolutely. No, I, I, it's, I, it's very intriguing. I mean, it is. It has like, a lot to be excited about. Like, like you know, going down there to Atlanta um, to, to kick off the season when Louisville takes on Georgia Tech. Like, if Louisville goes down there, because, you know, they're going to have all the bells and whistles. It used to be the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Now, apparently, it's the Aflac kickoff, which uh, Haven Harrington advised me of. So, I don't know what that means for my Chick-fil-A sandwiches. All I want to know is, are my Chick-fil-A sandwiches going to be in the trough up in the media room or not? That's all I want to know. That was the one thing I loved about Chick-fil-A kickoff was going down there, watching a freshman Lamar Jackson run around against Auburn and eating unlimited Chick-fil-A sandwiches. So, you know, that's why I love the Chick-fil-A kickoff, so I don't know if that's going to be a thing. But when we go down there, if Louisville can go down there, Joe, and, and, and you know, with you know how the cameras just look better in the Georgia Dome, how your players look bigger and stronger and faster, you know, under the lights in the NFL stadium, if Louisville goes down there and just blows the doors off Georgia Tech, the Louisville fan base is going to go crazy. You realize this, right? Uh, yeah, I agree with all that, but I'm just saying that is a bold, bold move by Chick-fil-A to to invite my friends to an all-you-can-eat media. <laughs> man, y'all. Oh, man. Joe it, Sanders, we were doing you a favor that weekend, sir. It was the most amazing thing. The, the Colonel sending his guns to Atlanta. My goodness. How much chicken do you think you could put down? Joe. During a three-hour game. During that game. Down? During that game, I had to have eaten. I, and this is honest, and I don't need anybody out there judging me, all right? But I had at least between eight and ten Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Oh, my God, I was going to say six. He was... <laughs> I had between eight and ten Chick-fil-A. Like, I, I kind of blacked out. I don't even know how many times because literally, Joe, all the, they kept, the trot was so big. You're talking about, you, you know, you those, chicken it was huge. Like, it was huge. And these, these girls just kept bringing, like, buckets of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and dumping them in there. In the middle of the media room. Buckets of chicken sandwiches. Yes. Like, it's Man, the that most. Is, that's about holiday something. <laughs> it was amazing. So, yes, it, it did hurt my heart when I heard Chick-fil-A is no longer the title sponsor for this, this game. So, I'm like, does that mean my yeah. chicken sandwiches are gone? That is heartbreaking. Y'all put them out, man. They they tapped out. I know. I did. I'm telling you, like, I don't know exactly how many I had because, like, I felt like I was just blacking out and just kept walking back and forth with sandwiches. But man, it was the most amazing thing in the world of everything that happened. Like, yeah, Lamar Jackson coming out there and looking amazing against Auburn, and you know, coming out of nowhere and just being this, you know, this guy that we thought was going to redshirt, maybe not even play. You know, Bobby throws him out there, uh, and you know, he's just making all kind of plays. That was great, now. But all I want to do is talk about chicken sandwiches like that was it i just me. think it's it's a very it was it was a great tactical decision on their part 
to put the whole sandwich out there and not those chicken minis. Oh, yes. Because if you put down 10 chicken minis, the idea of having a trough full of those during a game oh my that gosh. gets replenished, you could pop so many of them. I think 40s within reason. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's, it's like magic. I think 40s attainable. It was like magic, like literally every, like it never felt like it was he, like people, like I'm a big tall guy and I'm talking about if I put my arms out to the sides, like that's how big this big old thing of chicken sandwiches was. It was just crazy. It was crazy. It was, I'm, it was awesome. I'm not going to name names, but one of my favorite things about getting credentialed and covered you covering UFL games was watching particular members of the media just <laughs> ransack the hospitality room. Like I'm talking <laughs> going there with a bag and they are dumping chips and cans of, of soft drinks, and they're like, hey, is, what about that thing hanging on the wall? Is it free, too? Yeah. And they're like, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a framed picture, sir. You may not have that. Um, would you? Could I offer you some more Doritos? Yes. And they're like, damn right. And then they just snatch them and put them in their bag. Like, I know there are certain people in this town that have never bought groceries because they just stock up there in UofL basketball. Hey, hey, that's one thing I've always said. UofL does a, have, runs a first-class organization because when you go to a UofL event, you eat well. Like, I got so angry when I went to other schools' events and were like, what is this peasant food? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you know, you, you don't got the steam table. You don't have, you know, the, the finest meats and cheeses. What cuts. is this? <laughs> cold cuts and lemonade. Like, what, is this county lockup? Well, this is terrible. I mean, you get at, at a UK game. Sorry, Damn, UK. You, you know, you get hot dogs and popcorn. That's pretty much it. That's what you get. Seriously, at UK hot dogs and popcorn. <laughs> and all the RC cola you can handle. Right. <laughs> but they do give you a voucher to get like an ice cream cone, you know, if you go to the basketball games at, at the UK games. Man, those folks in their damn ice cream <laughs> at the basketball games is so bizarre to me because I'm like, folks, it's it's January. It's kind of cold for ice cream, no? And they're like, it's the best ice cream. You just don't know. I've, he- I've heard it. that it's great. I've never it's had good. it. I've never had it. It's good, but I don't know that there's any such thing as game-changing ice cream. So, you know, I mean, that's a tall task anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You can't that's hype fair. something like that up. Yeah, yeah. It's I, literally vanilla. I mean, like, I, that's that's a frame. You're boring. You're just vanilla. And they hype up vanilla ice cream. Sean, what's that, that all about? That is true. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I've heard so many people talk about this ice cream at Rupp Arena, like, as if it is, like, I don't know, manna from the heavens <laughs> when they talk about it. So, so much so they give you a voucher to go get a cone. But, yeah, I've, I've never oh. had the pleasure. I've never they stepped inside Rupp, except for when my daughter graduated. That's the only time I've ever been inside Rupp is my, gradua- my, my daughter graduated from U.K., and I went in there to support her. And when my sister graduated back in the day, I went in there and supported her for her graduation. That's the only two times I've ever been in Rupp, like literally. State playoffs in high school, that was it. Okay. Okay. I've been to a con- I've been. I, I'm sorry. I've been. I've been to a terrible concert or two there. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I. Yeah. I just get itchy, man. I get. I get a little. Go a little rash when I walk in there. So I, I try to stay out of there. I, 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 just, I don't even like being in Fayette County. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. There's. There's nothing about that place. It's weird. Whenever we, my my uh, ex wife and I would travel down to to Tennessee to see her family, and we'd have to drive through. We would just start fighting. <laughs> and we realized one time it, it was always when we were driving through Fayette County. So like I it. believe that underneath Fayette County is that pink ooze from Ghostbusters Two <laughs> <laughs> that just feeds off awful energy and vibes. Yeah, right. Well, it's like it's it's, it's insidious, man. It just gets into you. You know what I mean? You just get just ha- just have an attitude immediately. 
You do get cranky about everything. Yeah. You know? like, oh, I don't want. I don't want to stop there. Keep driving. Yeah, <laughs> that's you hilarious. Know? We're never gonna get there. <laughs> so, Joe. Hey, now, now, let me ask you this. All right. So, you know, we, we chat about this with, with U of L football. Um, now, on the basketball side, I did pose a question to the people, and I want to. I want to pose this to you as well. Um, so, you know, I kind of talked about the situation that Louisville's in. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but Keon Minifield was a kid that transferred from Washington. Uh, he was a pa- all-Pac-12 freshman last year. Louisville tried to get in on him. Um, he did ultimately end up committing to Arkansas. Okay, so Keon Minifield, it just was announced that he will not be eligible. He'll be a non-scholarship red shirt this year at Arkansas because apparently he didn't have the grades. He didn't make the grades to transfer or didn't have the grades to stay eligible making the move to Arkansas. Okay, now a lot of people are talking about that and saying, you know, Kenny Payne, you know, may have dodged a bullet on that. But, of course, we also find out there's a Twitter insider, Trilly Donovan, who says that Louisville also is going to have an academic casualty uh, on this year's upcoming roster. And considering that Tyler Johnson, the former Memphis commit point guard, six-foot point guard, who had just recently committed to L, um, has not made it to campus yet, most people are believing that Tyler Johnson is the young man that's not going to make it for Louisville. Okay, so Louisville's in a situation very similar to Arkansas where Minifield's not going to be available for Arkansas. Tyler Johnson's not going to be available for UofL. The key difference being is that Arkansas went out there and recruited like six or seven transfer guards that they brought in, including L. Ellis and a bunch of other guys, Wakecorn Battle and a bunch of other guys. So that they went out there and brought six or seven guys in. Tyler Johnson was the only other point guard that Louisville recruited. Everybody else, Trey White, you know, more of a wing. Karan Davis, uh, probably more of a wing. But Tyler Johnson was going to be that no-doubt point guard um, to back up Sky Clark for this coming season. I need to know two things. A, um, does Louisville need to go out there? uh, Well, first of all, A, how big of a – Hit is that, you know, are you comfortable enough with the guys there, um, you know, to say that they don't need to go any, go get anybody? And then B, um, you know, how big of a hit is it if he does not make it and they don't replace him? Like, in your personal opinion. I mean, we, we just went through this last season. The team needs depth, especially at, at that position. Yeah. This, uh, whatever Kenny wants to do, and, and this is not, guys, before I open up the floodgates, uh, this is not being overly critical and not supporting the coach, but whatever offense he was trying to run last year, it doesn't work without, without a point guard. Yeah, we, 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 we learned that the hard way. Um, I don't care how, how much talent he's got elsewhere. If he doesn't have, if he doesn't have a point guard, I, what? well, we saw last year. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to start stuttering and, and get. I hope he can replace him. Look, I do, they, do they need to go out there? Like, I, I know there's still a bunch of kids in the, so. in the transfer portal. Do you, I, I, I think they do. Okay, I, I, I think so. Uh, if you've got an opening on this roster, man, it needs to be open tryouts. Uh, yeah. fill them up, and and no more of this crap of having guys uh, that reclassified last year that never get on the floor. If, if we're losing games volume that we lost last year. Roll the ball boy out there. I don't give a damn. Find somebody who's going to give effort. Because that's the big thing that I I went back to last year was it just felt like a lack of effort. And one of the things that 
I will say, I hope, and this is me being, you know, an optimistic U of L fan. I really hope that Kenny came in with the attitude of, you know, you guys were here first and you did stick around, so I'm going to give you a chance. And then at the end of the year, he said, some of y'all got to go because they're going to run me out of here before, and I will not be the fourth coach you all have run off. Yeah. And like it or not, part of the collection of individuals were part of four or three different coaches. So I do think there might have been something to the, uh, to the, the personnel and, and the players involved last year. It's it. He's given U of L fans. This is the first hiccup in the off season for U of L basketball. I think. Yeah. No, they've had a great it, off season. It, it has been. He is. He has silenced a lot of people that said, you know, I'm going to wait and see. Now it's all right. I've waited. Now let's see. Yeah. I mean, I I think he's that's that's where we're at. Need to be excited about. But, I mean, I, I just, it does make me nervous because, I mean, you know, Tyler Johnson was the type of player that we hadn't seen Kenny recruit so far. Like, he was a six-foot point right. guard, you know, a small, shifty, quick guard. That was something that he had not it kind of stayed away from. All his guards have been 6'3", six, 6'4", six, big, kind of more like wing-type guys than they are ball, quick ball handlers. So, you know, Tyler was definitely mm-hmm. going to be a change-of-pace type of guy. Um, you know, and I know that there are people out there. I think they said, like, still 40% of the kids that went into the portal are still in the portal, and they don't have a place yet. So, I mean, you know, like I said, they got one scholarship, so so you definitely think they need to go beat the bushes and see what they can find with that one? Yeah, see, like I said, if you got an open scholarship – no more burning them. No more giving them to, who, you know what I mean? Like Right. <laughs> Hersey Miller, <laughs> bringing Hersey Miller back on, on scholarship again? <laughs> Man, God, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> why? Right. Um, the Master P connection is cool, but we didn't really utilize it. So, again, why? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. I mean, so we'll have to see on, on that, man. Like, I, I just, I thought that was interesting because, you know, some people are like, well, you know, we, Louisville dodged a bullet or maybe, you know, uh, KP and staff knew that, that Minifield was going to have a chance to not be eligible. I'm like, well, heck, we got our own eligibility issues. So, I mean, at least when you but, talk about Musselman, Musselman brought in, like I said, he brought in more. He probably recruited seven or eight guards. So, you know, right. it's, it's okay. So if you don't have Minifield, you still got five other, the other guys in there, but the, you know. But the thing is, I, I mean, this is an unfortunate conversation to be having about, you know, we've got our own eligibility issues. But the people that are saying Louisville dodged a, a bullet, they're not wrong because I'd rather be dealing about one kid that he, that he brought in that can't make it versus two. That's true. That's definitely true. Because then, then, then we're ha- now, now the, the narrative goes from, does he need to replace this kid? To the sky is falling. He can't put it. He can't. He can put it together, but he can't keep it together. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. when the real hate starts starts coming out about about yeah. recruiting and all that. They'll just say this is all smoke and mirrors. Nothing. Nothing is, uh, makes it to a rival date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. This I mean, just, this is this is the NASA shuttle. Over, and and over, you would just have to ask, like, you know, did you not know that these kids were going to, you know, be iffy as far as, you know, how getting you eligible? Not, how did you not do your due diligence on all that? Right. Yeah, all that stuff comes into play. That's when, like, if people thought folks were hating on him last year, man, that that would be a big concern I would have had. Just wait a minute. How do you not know two of the guys that you had coming in weren't going to make it? Yeah, and to be fair to Kenny, one of the things I wanted to say is I'm amazed this issue doesn't come up more with the transfer portal, right? Because I just think about how like 18, 19 year old kids think, 
You know, and I t- we, I t- we talk about that all the time on here. They think that they can just hop in the portal, but it's a no. Are, are your grades right? Right, Antonio Reeves. I mean, that, that that's the biggest yeah. thing about. I mean, Antonio Reeves has been UK's best player uh, over there at the little global jam in Canada. And Antonio Reeves tried to do everything he could to get out of UK. You know, it just happened to be that he his uh, credits didn't transfer to Kentucky, so he can't be a graduate transfer, which means he's stuck at Kentucky. And, hell, that's the best thing that worked out for Calipari. The man averaged 26 points per game and shot 58% from three-point range. (laughs) So, I mean, it worked out in Kentucky's favor, of course, because, you know. Yeah, as a as a tradition. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, th- these kids just think that they can just go here and there. And it's like, sorry, your Illinois State credits didn't transfer to Kentucky. <laughs> that shocks me. Uh, yeah. yeah, or sorry, you went to school X and didn't do anything for a year other than be a college kid. Right. Chased girls and hooped. Right. That's it. <laughs> he didn't do nothing else. Uh, you were you were living an eighteen year old's dream. Guess huh? what, though? Now it's biting you in the ass. Not only can you not transfer, enjoy summer school. you got to get eligible for the fall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do have to actually be a student to be a student athlete. It's crazy, right? Well, I mean, not at Carolina. <laughs> fair. That's fair. You know what? I, I'm going to leave that right there. Let's go ahead and go to break. We're going to hit that. I, I like that. Just just, just keep it right there, Joe. Just keep it right there. You got enough time for, for one more segment with me, brother? Absolutely. Good. I got some NBA stuff I want to talk about. We have a new Summer League champion. We have a guy that uh, Louisville fans wished uh, that they could have had, but uh, he's had success, so we're going to talk about that and much, much more. Uh, you are listening to Wake Up 502 with Sean Myers, Joe Kelly taking care of you, 96.1 FM, and we'll be right back. The same age, front page, no fuss, but I bet you all you know they live longer than us. Never been seen now, that's where you're wrong. Give the man a taste and he's gone. Welcome back in. Welcome back in. Last segment of the show. This is Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Joe Kelly. And now we got on the line Haven Harrington calling in this morning. Haven, how you doing this morning, brother? Man, I am doing great, man. I'm calling to you from the greatness of this Lex Vegas, a.k.a. Lexington, Kentucky, here at the big Bluegrass State Games. Oh, wow. Nice, nice. We were just talking about Lexington and how it makes us itch. <laughs> <laughs> you're there for the little, for the for the Kentucky hate games. That sounds like something that I'd go down there. Hate, hate. Very nice, very nice. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, hey, uh, uh, by the way, before we get back into it, uh, Texter uh, says uh, he says, "Hey, did you see the FAMU football uh, game suspended due to a rap video? We need to be careful." Uh, it says uh, being Jack Harlow. I, I don't. I, I didn't see this. They suspended the game due, due to a rap video. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> what? Really? Hey, I'm, I'm about to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know about all things FAMU, so I'm gonna need for you to check that out to find out if they actually suspended the game to shoot a music video. 
I, I need I, I need more information on this. <laughs> it would, it would not surprise me, but yes, right, right. I, I will give a call down to Tallahassee and see what's going on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I did want to give a shout out. Uh, congratulations to your summer league champion, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the, the, they got it done. Imani Bates, the young man who's been off traveled, um, you know, and much scrutinized, uh, got it done with the help of uh, Evan Mobley's brother Isaiah Mobley. They got it done. They got the win over the Houston Rockets in the summer league championship. They actually give them like championship rings for that, like blinged out too, like really, really <laughs> nice rings. But hey, I'm gonna tell you what, Imani Bates for the fact that that kid. When he didn't go, and I think he was like the 50th pick in the draft. It was something. He was like middle, mid-second round, 47, 48, 49, 50, something like that. And Cleveland was able to go in and snatch that kid. He balled out. Like, he looked like a player, like a, like a guy who had been considered the best player in his class for like three or four years. It's kind of crazy how he goes out there and looks good when he actually gets on the basketball court with other really good players. Uh, you know, I, some of so the fact that some of these kids dropped the way they did is just kind of amazing to me. Like everybody just wants to be so much smarter than everybody else. But I'm sorry, uh, you know, if I have a chance to take a, a six nine six ten score like like Bates, I'm not letting him fall past me. Like that, that's talent that I'm going to at least take a chance on. You know, like I, I, I know that everybody wanted to get down on him because he didn't have a great year at Memphis and, and, you know, at Eastern Michigan, he was putting up a lot of points, but it's at Eastern Michigan. But sometimes some of these GMs get a little bit too smart for their own good. I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers stole one, in my personal opinion, uh, but I'm okay with that because, you know, I'm an avid Donovan Mitchell fan. So I just wanted to give that shout out. The Summer League was awesome. I loved it. A lot of those young guys, Victor Webinyama came out and played well. Chet Holmgren coming off that end. Injury, he played well, um, so that was awesome to see. Cam Whitmore, who's another one that everybody just thought they wanted to be smart, you know, smarter than everybody else. Cam Whitmore actually took home the MVP. The interesting thing about Cam Whitmore, Cam Whitmore was supposed to be a top five pick in the draft. He was projected as a top five pick out of Villanova the whole offseason and then got to draft day. He did not get picked at number four and fell from pick number four all the way down to pick number 22. And the kid came out in the summer league, was the summer league MVP, was outstanding. And you know what, Joe and Haven, he looked like a top five pick. Ain't that crazy? Like, sometimes I feel like these GMs just overthink things. And, uh, you know, the Houston Rockets are are the guys who get to, uh, you know, get to take advantage of that because not only did they get Amin Thompson, who was a kid that was projected to go fifth, he went fourth to Houston, but then they were still able to get the other guy that they wanted to take a look at in Cam Whitmore. So now they have Whitmore and they have Thompson. So, uh, you know, a couple of teams that I feel stole one, uh, you know, in terms of the Rockets and Cavs getting uh, Imani Bates and Cam Whitmore, uh, two very, very talented kids. But, you know, so summer basketball was awesome. I loved it. Um, so, you know, ha- had to give them a shout out. Uh, uh, Haven Harrington, um, I do have a-, a question for you. Like, there's been a lot of talk. We, we heard about... Um, uh, the you know the the issues with uh the 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 running back uh, with the New York Giants um Bar uh not Barkley um what's the Saquon Barkley Sa- it is Barkley yeah Sa- Saquon thank you I couldn't think of his first name Saquon Barkley not being able to get this deal done uh you know the the moratorium passed on being able to get this new contract work um you know there's talk that he may be traded he may be released um 
the Baltimore Ravens just signed a guy who I thought was a pretty good back for the Chargers, Melvin Gordon III, who was a, a former number one, uh, you know, top five, top ten pick for the San Diego Chargers, signs a $3 million deal. Like, is it crazy to, to, to see how the running back position has just completely become an afterthought in, in the current NFL? Like, it's just nuts to me. Like, the, these dudes can't, you know, they, they're only making 2 and $3 million. Like, I, I don't know. I, like, I don't know how to take it. Like, it, it, has, have we gone that far from the running back position being important? Yes. I mean, nobody values the running back position anymore. This is literally just running back by committee. And, you know, we'll, 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 get, we'll get some better value. We can get anybody to run the ball. You can't get one person to run it. We'll find two people to run it for the price of mm-hmm. one person. That and you know the hard the hard thing about getting running backs any type of long term guaranteed deals is that after four or five years in the league of getting beat up and getting our mileage on them, a lot of GMs think that it's not worth it. They're useless. They're going to get hurt. They're not going to be as fast as they were. Not going to be as tough as they were. So we'll just get somebody else. So. Yeah, it's literally now kickers. Kickers have become more valued. That's crazy. Like, that is insane to me. Like, a league that was built on, you know, seeing the talking about the Jim Browns, talking about the Walter Paytons, talking about, you know, like the running back position was kind of like the position. To see now, I saw that the kickers make more on average than running backs. Yeah, I, I because think, it's, it's I think just, it's basically it's just, it is no longer a value position in a pass-happy league, number one. Number two, and quite as kept, a lot of also what you see is teams now substituting your quarterback as your other primary option at running back or your other primary runner, i.e. kind of what the Bills are doing with Josh Allen. Now, a lot of people like to think that Lamar Jackson's like this super happy running back. Actually, Josh Allen runs more and typically has more yards rushing than Lamar Jackson. Go ahead, Joe. What what were you going to say? Well, I I think what's happened is you've seen NFL GMs across the board. It's been a 15-year trend that that they don't want to pay running backs to Haven's Point once they turn about 26-27. 27 is that year that you hold out and you get as much money as you can because you're never going to get another big contract after that. You probably won't see the, the year four or year five of that one. So get your money up when you can. Hold out when you when you can. Barkley's doing the, the, the smart business move, but I don't know if anybody's going to pay him because it's like the league is playing money ball. I don't know that they don't necessarily appreciate running back as a position, but they certainly don't uh, value the bell cow. You know, the, right. the guy who's going to carry the ball 250 to 300 times a year. Look at what Philadelphia did. And, and also to Haven's point about, about Josh Allen and the Bills, look at the Eagles, man. Yeah. Two running backs and a, and a quarterback. And you can pay those two quarter, you can pay those two running backs less than what you're paying Saquon Barkley or Dalvin Cook. There's yeah. some good running backs on the market right now, but teams look at it. And, and I think the model blueprint you look at what uh, how Minnesota did Dalvin, and what Saquon did with, uh, or the Giants did with Saquon and and Daniel Jones. You draft a, a quarterback, and then you hand the ball off to a running back, and he's you know you 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 let him carry the offense until your quarterback catches up, 
And then by year two or year three, if you're comfortable with your Kirk Cousins or your Daniel Jones, you know, all right, now let's get him some weapons and we'll bring in another guy on a rookie deal. We'll get a guy off waivers for $3 million. It's a bet that just needs to play. Yeah. I mean, old, man. It's crazy, man. Like, I, it just it just amazes me. Like, and, and, you know, Dalvin is a guy that I forgot. He still hasn't found a place, uh, you know, yet. And then you're talking about one of the best running backs. He was one of the best running backs in the league last year. And, and <laughs> nobody – I mean, it's just – it is a very it is a, a very interesting transition to see. And then even, uh, you know, with everything that happened with DeAndre Hopkins, how long it took him to finally get that two-year deal with the Tennessee Titans, you know, because nobody wanted to pay him. You know, they finally paid. I think he got a two-year, $26 million deal uh, from the Titans. It's going to pay him around 13 mil per season. Um, but, you know, it just – the NFL, the, their financial structure and the way – this whole thing is is going right now. It just seems like they're trying to nerf as much as they can these contracts for the skill position, so they can just give all their money to the quarterbacks. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it just quarterbacks and edge rushers. It's crazy. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, it, it's very very interesting to see what where the NFL is going with that. But I I thought it was just uh, you know to for for me you know the, the the Ravens being able to pick up Melvin Gordon the third, who I think is a really good running back. Um, you know, that basically just got cut because, you know, the Chargers had cheaper options to be able to get him at three million at a, uh, you know, on a one year, $3 million contract. That's like stealing because, you know, with, with the Ravens team that already has some decent playmakers to just add that dude is a luxury ad. Um, you know, I, to me, I, I just, I love everything that the Ravens have done. Um, but to me that the shift in the NFL's priority to running backs just kind of basically put the allowed them to put another bullet in the gun for Lamar Jackson and crew. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what happens. I know we got, I believe, NFL training camps. Uh, are they already going to they start this week, Haven? Yeah, they're already going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we'll have uh, preseason starting in what two weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hall of Fame game, baby, Canton, Ohio. The, yes, yes. Did y'all hear the uh, the quotes coming out of Ravens camp? No, what? what, what, what well, I've, I've heard a few and things coming out. What's that? Including uh, Bateman and OBJ, Zay Flowers is head and shoulders above every other receiver, and looks like that dude. Yes, him and Lamar are already building up, building up a really good chemistry. And the offensive coordinator said that uh, they're going four wide a lot this year. They're going to let Lamar make the audibles and make the play calls at the line of scrimmage. And he said, "Quote: We're taking him back to his Louisville offense. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna use speed and just kill people on the edges." Yes, yes, I did hear wow, that. The yes, coordinator who actually knows how to use Lamar. Weird. Well, I mean, it just makes sense, right? If you have if you have a spread offense and you're going four wide receivers, you know, and you know, with the run one running back in the backfield, it just it makes the defense have to spread out. You can't put eight or nine in the box, you know. With, with, no, and that gives Lamar the actual one on one. If he makes one guy miss, he ha- he can house it. Yes. Uh, it just makes like this is why Greg Roman drove me crazy because like uh, uh, hearing uh, the the new offensive coordinator talk about it, it's just like this is what I've been waiting to see is just to allow this kid the space to be able because he throws the ball he's super efficient throwing the ball especially because when you're going four wide you don't have to necessarily you know look for that deep bomb down the field it's more about you know the quick outs and the quick game 
it, it just and you know it even makes the read option more devastating when you have the all, the defense spread out. So I mean, to me, it just I, I you know the Ravens I think are set up fellas for a very big time comeback season as long as they can keep Lamar healthy. Um, I, I think that the Ravens should be able to get back. And Madden is gonna wish they they raised them ratings up a little bit. Lamar was in his feelings about being ready to ninety one, Joe. I don't blame him. <laughs> he said, "I'm." He said, "Is I?" He said, "That's all right. As soon as I get the game, I'm turning myself back into a 99." <laughs> Absolutely, same. Yeah, I mean it's cra- it, it's crazy, but I, I do I like hearing that hearing that conversation about Zay Flowers said that he was head and shoulders above both OBJ and Rashad Bateman. Said it's not even close in terms of who the best receiver is out there. And Zay Flowers was a monster at Boston College. He's one of those guys. I'm so happy they got him. Oh, man, I'm telling you, like, he was a dude that nobody really saw because he played for a crappy Boston College team. But we knew because Louisville couldn't do anything with him. Literally, that was the only guy on the Boston College offense, and Louisville still couldn't stop it. It, it, it. He had, like, what, four catches in that first half? Two of them were for, three of them were for touchdowns? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it was it was it was crazy. You know, just just absolutely just destroying us. Um, you know, and and I mean that that right there, um, just it, it like you said, I, I'm very excited. Like I wouldn't have mind Quentin Johnston from TCU if that would have been the guy, but Zay Flowers just to me seemed like a such a versatile weapon to be able to add that guy that can go inside, outside. He can get those tough yards. I mean, he does. It reminds me of Steve Smith. I mean, I, and I know that's. It's hard to put that on anybody because Steve Smith was an alien, (laughs) but he does. I mean, when you can have a little guy that can go out on the outside and play on the inside and get the tough yards and go over the top, it just is, Uh you know, those dudes are rare. So, yeah, I I can't wait uh, to see what what happens with that. I think we may have lost Haven, uh, you know, out there in Lexington. You know, they don't don't have cell phone towers out there, and all the ones they do have are crappy Uh because it's Lexington. (laughs) <laughs> nope. that's that's what happens but no I, I'm, I'm gonna be very excited to see um uh what, what happens with that oh texter says uh he said i i need a, a new team uh he says my titans will give will levis a contract uh yeah will levis is definitely gonna stick down there uh with tennessee so you might if, if you hate the fact that will levis is a titan you 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 know you might want to find a new team maybe you can go be a fan of i don't know the colts you know the the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders have plenty of space. I'm a Raiders fan, and you know that's fun. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> like I, Joe, I've become very disenfranchised uh, with my with my team. Like I don't know what the Raiders. I'm a are Knicks doing. fan. I get it. Like I have no idea. Like I, I don't know what we're doing. It just yeah. Have that nice, beautiful you're arena. Davis, man. Oh gosh! I mean, that, that that stadium is beautiful, and like we have to put that crap in there. Just, oh. I don't know if there's anything more Raiders than trading for Devontae Adams and then cutting his best friend, their quarterback, before the season even ends. Like that was so dysfunctional. Oh, I mean, it just they just they have no idea what they want to do. They don't. They, they don't just. Ever since Gruden came back and traded away Khalil Mack, it's just been. You remember when he traded Khalil Mack and then said, and then the following offseason said the first the first uh, priority in the draft is to get an edge rusher. We got to get a guy who can rush the quarterback. Yes. And I thought you just traded the top five player in the league at doing that very thing. Like just, and you traded him for a bag of Doritos. I mean, I just I. 
Yeah, I just I I don't get it. I I, I just don't I just don't know what the Ra- this is the joys of being a Raiders fan. I hate my life, you know. Like this is why you know I, I'm all in with Baltimore is because the Raiders just we don't want to win. I just think we just want to be a, a just I don't I, I Mark Davis, please just sell the team. Just do Collecting something. That TV revenue. But you know I'm what? Checks on me. So speaking of selling the team, Joe, I, I will say how crazy <laughs> is it that Magic Johnson is now a co-owner of the Washington Redskins? <laughs> uh, well, they're the commanders now. Yeah, well, uh, there's a, apparently they're going to be something completely new. They're not going to be Washington yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's the other thing. They're going to get a fourth name change. So that's cool. <laughs> Keep rebranding until you get that stink off, I say. They said a complete and total overhaul of the franchise is what they expect. And they need to, man. They need to wash the stink of, uh, of Dan Snyder. He is awful even by billionaire terms. He is truly one of the worst owners in all of sports. Terrible human being. But before everybody gets on, their, on the high horse about Daniel Snyder so bad, Keep in mind the other owners ain't much either because they put up with all his shenanigans, the sex scandal where he was pimping out cheerleaders, um, all the all the labor lawsuits against him. All of that stuff was fine, and the, the league was willing to just look the other way until they found out he was cheating them on their money. Right. And that's when those gangsters said, uh-uh, no, you're out, pal. <laughs> but that's you know what? I mafia stuff right there, man. When the, when the count ain't right, what happens? They bleep me up. That's right. We learned that on the wire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the thing I love about it and what I can't wait to see is that, you know, Dan Snyder has been threatening since this whole thing is if he gets booted out or, you know, if he gets thrown out that he has like some, you know, information that's going to basically take down all the NFL owners with him. And he's been threatening this for a while now. And we haven't had this Snyder truth bomb dropped yet. So I, I'm just interested now that the sale is final, now that Magic Johnson is for some reason a part of the, the, the Washington uh, you know, ownership group, if Dan Snyder is going to come through and hold up his end of the bargain and like drop a bomb on all the NFL owners. Like I, I want to see oh, this I, happen. You know it's coming. <laughs> you know it's coming. Man, I say, I say this is somebody who hasn't always exercised caution at a uh, retaliation, revenge, and get back. <laughs> oh, he looks like a loose cannon if there ever were one. Yeah. And you took his and you took his toy from him? Don't take a rich kid's toy. <laughs> you take their toy, and they get to fussing. And, you know, you can't be part of the billionaire boys club and not have dirt on each other. Oh, yeah. That's how you stay in it. Mutually that's assured destruction, right? That, that, that's, that's what it's all about, mutually assured destruction. <laughs> exactly. But you know how you get out? You do what Dan Snyder did. You mess with the count. Yeah. Don't yeah. mess with the count. No, man. you're right. And and that's just that that is so wild to me that it's not wild, it's just I guess it's sad. That you go look at all the filth they were willing. Look at all the nonsense. His whole refusing to rename the, the franchise, that was just a rich dude being an a hole. Yeah. That's all that was. Yeah. Anybody else would have looked at it from a business standpoint and said, you know what? I am gonna rebrand because then you nerds have to buy all new merchandise. Yeah, right. I, I just want to see if they're going to go with some, like, any given Sunday's version of a team, like like the DC Energy or something weird like that. You right. know, just go completely right. off, the, look, <laughs> off the Yeah, off no, the they rails. really did look like – they looked like one of the, the, the home teams on uh, 
on any given Sunday. Yeah. I, I just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's going to be like the replacements. Franchise. What was the name of the, the team? Of the I can't Boston. remember the name of the team on the replacements. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Because they, 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 I think they were like a D.C. team. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> Man. I want to say they might have been the Commanders. They might have been the Commanders. Like, so it, I know it was, so, it was something like it was something hilarious, but like, uh, let's go ahead and change it to like red, white, and blue. Let's just completely overhaul it into something ridiculous. Like, uh, that, that's what I'm I mean, voting I thought, for. I thought calling them the Red Tails would have been cool. Yeah. That, you know, it, it'd be absolutely hilarious now if Magic Johnson was the face of the, of the ownership, even though he's a minority owner, which means he probably owns like 0.5%, like right. he did with the Nets. But you got him on board because he's magic. He's the face. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. People like magic, like uh, think, bringing Shaq to Papa John's after Papa John's loses his mind. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think it would be such a hilarious smack to Dan Snyder's face going, yeah, not only did uh, did did we take your franchise, we brought in the friendliest black guy, and he's going to rename him the, the Red Tails. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it, man. <laughs> Wow. And on that note, you know what? We are at the top of the hour. Joe Kelly, definitely appreciate you calling in, brother. It is always good. Make sure y'all go out and check out Joe over at Granville. It's Burger Week. They close it strong. He's going to have that, that bourbon gouda burger waiting for you, Joe. I appreciate you guys yes, calling sir. in this morning, brother. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. All right, now. You have a good one. There we go. And, and this is your boy, Rashawn Myers. This is Wake Up 502. This is 96.1 WXVW. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for all the texters. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, we will be back next week with much more fun. Until then, without the struggle, there is no progress. Peace.